Hey there, fellow parent entrepreneurs. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to join us here on The Kenza Pod. My name is Tiffany Jones. I'm the co-founder and CEO of The Kenza Collective, where we empower and educate parents who are making the transition from working for the man to working for themselves. Our goal is to help you create a life where you have autonomy, freedom, and the power to dictate how you spend your days, all based on your family's unique needs. So if you're ready to hand in your notice and experience the freedom that comes from working for yourself, or if you've already done it and are in the trenches trying to manage all the pieces, you're in the right place. Be sure to check out kenzacollective.com for all kinds of resources specifically geared toward the busy working parent. And thanks again for being here. Now let's get into the episode. Hey there, welcome to the Kenza Pod. This is Tiffany Jones, Kenza's co-founder and CEO. And today it's just me and I'm going to be talking about how you can transition your clients that are paying you hourly into project-based, value-based pricing. Um, So I'm going to go over why it's important to not charge hourly, just give you a couple of examples of how this way of charging your clients starts to break down and really works to everyone's disadvantage at the end of the day. And then I'm going to walk you through kind of a step-by-step process to move your clients out of hourly, your current clients out of hourly and into project-based pricing. This is just one approach. It's what I had to do because I did this. Um, I made this mistake. I I don't know if we call it a mistake, but I I did this when I first went out on my own as well, even though I knew I shouldn't. Um, And I had to get myself, untangle myself. I think I had two clients. At the time I had three clients. One was on a retainer and the other two I had sold hours to and I had to untangle that. So I'm gonna walk you through kind of how I did it, what I learned from that and give you kind of a step-by-step process of how to do this, all right? So I just want to remind you, you know, we've all been there. We've all been, or most of us have, stuck in an hourly contract that we wish we weren't in, you know, kicking ourselves for doing the opposite of what everyone warned about. And like I said, I understand. I went the same, I did the same thing. Um, I was just really excited to land my first client. I didn't really know what I was doing and how to like, how to do this, you know, and they wanted to pay me hourly. And so I did it. I sold my time. I sold my hours. And it worked for a while until it didn't. So what do I do now instead? Um, Well, what I do now is project-based or retainer pricing. And if someone asks me what my hourly rate is, I simply tell them I don't have one. I tell them that I bill clients based on a project scope and a set of deliverables, or I work on a retainer basis with a set of deliverables for each month or kind of ongoing things that I do each month. Now, internally for myself, I do have an hourly rate and I use that to price out my proposals, um, but that is a lesson for a different day. That's I'm not going to get into all of that today or else this would be a really long podcast. Um, so the point is that, you know, once you make this switch, try not to ever go back on this. Don't waver on it. If, if there's a client that's like, well, I really just, you know, I just really want to buy, you know, five hours of your time each, each week or 20 hours a month. Like, can't we just do that? And, you know, the answer is no, I don't do that. I don't sell my time. Um, and you can even use that phrase. I've used that phrase. Like, I don't sell my time anymore. That's not how I work. And if they're not on board with that, then they're not a good fit for you. That's a red flag. 
And to be honest, I haven't, I have never personally come across a situation. Um, I just am really confident with like, you know, this is how I work. This is how I'm going to put together a proposal. And it's not, we don't even talk about it. It's not even an option. And if they say, you know, how does this work? Do you just, do I just buy a block of time and say, oh no, this is, this is how I work. Um, so, you know, try not to go back to this because it does, it does kind of suck to untangle yourself from it. Like, I'm not going to lie. This process was not, it's not like it turned out bad. No clients fired me. Nobody was upset, but it just was like kind of a big thing I had to do. And it was time consuming and energy consuming. And you don't want to have to do that again. Right? So before we dive into that kind of step-by-step process, I want to give you a couple of examples of why this is important. So if you're on the fence about whether or not you should charge hourly or project-based or on the fence of whether or not you should switch your clients from hourly to project-based, I'm going to give you a couple of examples that are going to really clearly illustrate why this doesn't work and how it's working to everyone's disadvantage. So I'm going to give you, how many examples do I have here? Three different examples. I'm going to go through kind of quickly here. So example or sort of scenario number one of why hourly doesn't work is that you get better at what you're doing, more efficient, and then what, you make less? So let me give you an example to paint a picture here. Let's say you are a freelance copywriter and you write blogs for people's companies and you charge them an hourly rate. So you get an assignment, you do the thing, you time yourself, and then you send the client a bill for your time, right? When you first get started, it's working great. It's really straightforward, easy to do. It kind of feels like maybe what you were doing in your last job. And so you kind of calculate it, you know, a 300 word blog takes you three hours. Let's say you've set your hourly rate at 50 bucks an hour. So now you're going to bill 150 bucks for a 300 word blog. You didn't, you know, you're just getting started. You don't really have a process in place. Maybe you wasted time like researching or going down rabbit trails of things you didn't need to, or maybe one time you accidentally left that timer running for a little bit, or you allowed the client too many revisions, but at the end of the day, it didn't really matter too much to you because you're just billing hourly. So you didn't really have like a motivation to get something done faster. Not that you're being dishonest or like, you know, screwing your client over or anything, but you know, you're not really too worried about letting that timer run or if your client wants the ninth revision on something because eh, you're billing hourly. So first of all, that sucks for the client, right? Like that just sucks for them. And it sucks for you too because you're not able to wrap things up. You're not able to really like predict how long something's going to take you if you just sort of let things go like that. Okay, but let's fast forward a year. So you're that same copywriter, but you've gotten so much better and more efficient at your job. You have a great process in place. Maybe you've hired a VA to do part of that process where they're maybe researching and writing an outline and then you go in and actually write it out or vice versa. And so you're spending a fraction of the original time of what it was taking you a year ago. So maybe it's maybe just taking you an hour instead of three. So what now? You only charge $50 instead of $150 because you got better at something. So now your client is getting a better product turned around faster, working with someone they know and trust, and then they get to pay you less? That makes no sense, right? And you might be saying, well, why wouldn't I just raise my hourly rate? Well, yeah, you could do that, but by how much and how often are you going to be able to keep up with how efficient you're getting? Are you going to have to go back to your client every six months and say, Hey, my new hourly rate is 75. And then another six months when you're getting better and better, Hey, I'm, I'm my hourly rate is a hundred dollars now. Like that sucks. You know, that's, that's not, that's not a good scenario for everyone. You don't want to have to keep doing that to yourself, to your client. 
So you can see in that scenario, like this starts to break down. You get better and then you're paid less. Like that doesn't work, right? All right, so let's go over another scenario. Let's say someone, um, I call this one, you can't hit your hours. I don't know why I call it that. It's just what it is in my outline here. <laughs> so another example of where this kind of goes off the rails is, let's say you book a client and they and you guys come to an agreement where they, um, they want to buy 10 hours a week of your time and maybe you're doing uh, social media management or something. So it sounds good, right? Steady client, steady income, 10 hours a week. You bill them, it's super easy, blah, blah, blah. You're good to go, except you're not. So here's where this one starts to break down. Let's say when you're first getting started, you know, getting through those 10 hours is gonna be pretty easy because you're getting up to speed on their systems, their processes, maybe you're needing to research more, um, all that kind of stuff, right? But what's gonna happen again as you go on? You're gonna get better, you're gonna get faster, you're gonna get more efficient because that's just how you are. Like that's how a lot of us are. We're gonna get better and faster and more efficient, right? So now what are you gonna do when your client's paying you for 10 hours of your time, but you're accomplishing everything in eight or six or five? Are you gonna refund them when you don't hit 10 hours? Are you going to lie on your timesheet or your invoice? Like how are you gonna handle that? And sidebar, doesn't it suck to have to keep track of your time in a timesheet and then like turn that into your client? We're like, if you do this, you're like going back into how it was when we were working for the man where you had to like track your time and put in your hours like this. No, uh-uh, no selling your time. All right, sorry, I get a little passionate about this. <laughs> so, all right, let's say you've identified that you, the other little problem in this example is like, let's say you've identified, okay, I have 15 hours of, work, of, uh, of time that I can work each week. So when you go and sell 10 hours of your time, you've now taken up two thirds of your time and now you're limiting your earning potential. So selling your time, it doesn't work. It breaks down. It doesn't work for anyone. And I'm going to give one last example just to really, you know, nail it in there. Although I'm sure you're like, all right, Tiffany, we get it. So this kind of just goes off to what I was just talking about. So you're right back where you started, right? So part of my why, and I'm assuming part of your why too, is that you don't want anybody telling you how to spend your time or your energy. Like we're done with that. We're done with a boss telling me, no, you need to stay late because we have to finish this up. Or no, taking PTO on that day is not really going to work out because we have this thing. Like, no, no, we're, we're not in that world anymore. We're off on our own to make our own decisions. But when you sell your time, you're putting yourself right back in that position. You're allowing a client to reserve through a contract 10 hours of your life every week or 15 or 20 or whatever it is, even if you've completed all of your deliverables faster. So it's just like being in a full-time job that expects you to work 40 hours, even if you get it done faster. All right. So it doesn't work. I started off doing this, even though I knew I shouldn't. And I very quickly became dissatisfied with how things, with how things were going. I personally found myself in this third scenario having, or second scenario, whichever one it was, having promised a certain set of hours and just not able to hit those hours because it just wasn't necessary. And then I was like, man, what do I do now? This sucks. All right, so I just wanna encourage you to not go down this path from the beginning. If you haven't started down this path, don't do it. I know it's tempting, don't do it. I'll teach you how to not do it. Um, so let's talk about making the switch. So what I've outlined is kind of a four-step process. Again, this is just sort of my perspective, how I went through this. 
you need to customize this based on what feels right for you. And then there's a couple of key like things that I want to point out so that no matter what, what steps you take, there's some like main things you want to keep in mind. So the very first thing is to find the right timing of when you're going to make this switch, both for you and with your client. Because like I said in the beginning, um, it takes some time, it takes some planning, it takes some thinking, um, and you're going to need to be able to do that. So I understand that maybe after hearing that, or maybe even thinking about this for a while, you're feeling anxious and really ready to make this switch. You're like, oh, I need to do this. This is like killing me, you know, but like a lot of things in life, this comes down to timing. So this might mean that you need to wait for a specific project to wrap up that you're working on with a client or wait for a deadline to come and go. You want to make sure that you choose a time where you can sit down with your client and talk through the, the switch, like not at a time where they're like super stressed out or can't really pay attention or you're right in the middle of something else. And they're just like, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, you don't, you just want it to be like a little bit of a more of a calm time. So choose a time frame where you want to have this conversation um, and then go from there. Step two is once you have that time frame in mind, I say time frame because maybe it's like, okay, this week would be the perfect week to do it. I want you to then set up a meeting with your client. This is going to give you a deadline. This is going to hold you accountable to doing this. And all you can say is like, hey, I'd love to set up a check-in call or a strategy call to just kind of talk about how things have been going. And I want to let you know some changes that I'm making in the way that I serve my clients. Um, to ensure that, you know, my clients are really getting the most value out of our work together, you know, something like that. And let me just pause real quick. You know, whenever you're having a tricky conversation with a client or you're making a change or you're doing something that like, you know, it's just kind of like, Ooh, I'm going to have to have this conversation with them. Try to find a way to sort of spin the scenario in a way and that benefits your client. I'm not saying to like lie or be deceitful or anything like that. I'm just saying that Instead of when you have this particular conversation, instead of leading with something that's like, I need to do this for my business, like it's all about me, like, no, 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 this spin it so it's all about them. When you present it to them, say like, you know, this is, this is going to benefit my clients because of X, Y, Z, or I'm doing this to make sure that I can serve you better because of this, this, and this, or whatever. And I'm going to get to the conversation in a little bit, and you may not even need to say anything like that, but this is just a little aside to just, you know try and frame it in a way that whatever you're talking to them about, it's about how it's going to benefit them. So you are the expert. Remember you're their guide. So find a way to have these conversations in a way that resonates with them and how it's going to benefit them. Cause I hate to say it, but like, they don't really, they don't care about your business. Like <laughs> they don't care what's going on internally in your business. They have plenty of their own stuff to be caring about. So don't make it all about you and your business when you have conversations like this. So step one, figure out the right time. Step two, set up a meeting and don't be like cryptic about it. You know, to be like, I need to, we need to talk this week and we have a meeting, you know, just make something up, tell them what I, what I just said. Okay. Step three. Now this is kind of the hard part. This is the harder step. You need to figure out what you're going to do and what, how you're going to switch whatever you're doing for them and an hourly basis into either a project-based type of pricing or a retainer-based type of pricing. So retainer, I mean, they pay you a set amount every month, or I guess it could be every couple of months or quarter or something, but typically it's every month they pay you some set amount for a certain kind of work to be done every month. Or it's a project where there's a project scope, there's a set of deliverables, and there's a time frame. 
So you're going to need to look at the type of work you're doing for your clients to figure out which scenario is best. When I was doing this, I had two different clients that I had to go switch. And when I really sat down and looked at it, and I also thought about the type of clients they are and like what they would go for, I switched both of them to project-based pricing and didn't do a retainer type of thing. So those are, that's the first like kind of decision you need to make for each client is which one are they going to be more suited to? And it's going to be really personal. If you think that what you're doing could be turned into a monthly retainer, then this conversation is actually going to be pretty straightforward. So what you'll do is put together a scope of work for each month with key deliverables and milestones, and then give them a monthly price on that. You're going to let them know that if they want to add, you know, like as time goes on, if they want to add additional items to the scope, they need to let you know, and you can either add it on to, you know, like if it's an ongoing thing, they want you to start doing from here on out, you know, you can add that to your monthly set of deliverables and send them a new sort of monthly retainer price. Or you can let them know, depending on what it is, if it's just kind of like a one-off project, you'll scope that out as a totally separate project aside from your monthly retainer. So these, we're going to get to the conversation part, but like you want to have your answers ready. So when they ask, okay, well, how are we going to handle this part? You have an answer ready to go. You can also say something to them like, hey, if you're, if you wanted to ask me to do something that takes me like 15 or 20 minutes or something, it's just sort of like a, hey, would you do this one thing? You know, sort of like, it's not technically in the scope of what you do each month, but they just need a quick little thing done. You know, be flexible with that. Tell them, look, I'm not going to be rigid about this scope. Obviously, if it's like a bigger thing, it's going to take me hours and hours to do, then yeah, I need to, you know, get paid for that. But you know, if it's like 15 or 20 minute little thing here and there, it's all right. You're not going to nickel and dime them, nickel and dime them. But on your end, when you are creating this price, make sure, you know, when you're, when you're coming up with that monthly price, make sure that you add a couple of buffer hours. So let's say like you have a set of five things you're going to do for them every month. You're whatever those are. Um, and you calculate that between those five things, you think that's probably going to take you about 20 hours a month or so. Well, add in like four more hours to that and, and add that into whatever price you present to them so that you're accounting for those little things they need to ask you to do and making sure that you're getting paid for it, okay? You don't need to share that with them necessarily. The way you share it with them is, again, kind of going back to that like spinning thing of like, hey, if you need me to do kind of one-off things, it's all good, you know, like, you know, within reason, it's all good. I'll take care of it. We don't need to like renegotiate this all the time. So that's just, um, there's kind of like the back end stuff that you do on your side and then how you present that to the client and everyone's winning in that scenario. Another just word of caution is that if you're doing a retainer with someone, it's sort of like, um, it's like assumed, I guess, like when you're doing a retainer that, uh, this is going to be sort of a longer term type of thing, you know, three, six, 12 months, years, who knows, like who knows how long this would go on. You want to make sure that you build in some checkpoints to your contract to make sure that you're able to use those checkpoints to either exit the relationship because sometimes you're going to need to do that or raise your rates or relook at the scope because as time goes on, the scope is going to grow, you know? So it really depends on the client and what you're doing, but I would recommend building in at least quarterly checkpoints with them where you, it's just in your contract, you, maybe you get the meetings on the calendar for the whole year. 
you know, so they're just there and everybody knows when they are and at the time is blocked off and you don't just let one slip and not happen. And you're going to sit down and look before you go to that meeting, look at the scope that you first agreed to compare it to what you're actually doing and make sure that that's the same. And if you're doing more then you need to share with them that you're doing more and that your rate is going to increase, you know, accordingly. And once a year at these check-ins, you need to be raising your rates and not be afraid of that. Your clients know that that's going to happen. Even in like your standard job, you would at least get a, you know, a cost of living allowance rate, uh, raise. What is that? Like 5% or something. So this is expected. And in fact, it's a professional thing to be doing. Hey, it's the new year. Here's my new rates. Like it's expected from your clients. You know, your clients are not going to be um, shocked by that. So that's what you need to do if you think that you could switch your clients over to a retainer. And I will tell you, having retainer clients is real nice. It's just that really nice sort of recurring income. It's sort of that bread and butter. I have a retainer client that I've had for three years now, and that has been like the foundation of my business in, and allowed me, because I know that that's like really steady and good income. And it's allowed me to take on different projects. It's allowed me to start Kenza because I know I kind of have like, I couldn't live necessarily off of, I mean, I could, I guess, but you know, it's, that's not exactly, it's not like paying my entire, like my goals, my financial goals, but it's like a good, nice little, like steady once a month thing. I know what I'm doing. We meet every quarter. We like plan out what we're doing and it's, it's really nice. Retainer clients are good. So if you find a client that you really like working with, and you want to have, you think you want to have a longer term relationship with, try and put together some sort of retainer with them, um, but build in those checkpoints. Okay, so let's say you have a client um, who you're working with and you think they'd actually be more suited to working on projects instead of like one-off projects, um, instead of doing this retainer type of thing. And there's different reasons why that might happen. Like if it's maybe a client that you are not like super stoked on working with, or maybe they're new and you're like, yeah, We'll see how this goes. Or it's maybe work that you don't want to be doing for too long, but you're kind of taking it on right now because you just kind of need the money and you're trying to get your feet wet or whatever, you know, going in it into it with a, a project that has an end date is going to be helpful for you to kind of reevaluate and be like a nice clean break of like, okay, you know, like I'm moving on to different clients or whatever. So, you know, this could be difficult. Like, so for example, I'm just going to tell you what happened with me. So one of my clients, when I was going through this, we were working on all kinds of stuff together. Like they were kind of a startup online business and I was helping with a lot of different things. And so, and they were just, you know, paying me, buying my hours. And it was really hard to be like, God, how do I like switch this over? I didn't think they were ready to commit to a retainer. I didn't really want to do a retainer with them because they were one of those clients that, had a really hard time with boundaries. And I felt like if I got into a retainer relationship with them, I wouldn't be able to contain how much like they were trying to take of me. Whereas if I have a project scope with them, it's really clear what I'm doing, what I'm not doing, when this is starting, when this is ending. And I have a lot more sort of control and like boundaries around the relationship than I would if I had a retainer with them. Um, and that was just like, that was that type of client. They were just those type of people. And I loved working with them, but I also had to like keep them in check. Otherwise they would just take over my life. And they sort of were taking over my life. I don't work with them anymore. 
I love them. It was a good experience, but you know, it just, um, it wasn't working for me. So anyway, anyway, they really wanted me to be like a full-time person and just, they were treating me like that and it just wasn't working. So that's not what I wanted. Anyways, I digress. So all that to say, you know, for that particular client, I ended up like we were working on three or four different projects all at the same time. They had different scopes, different timelines, different sets of deliverables. And that might happen to you. Like you might end up being like, okay, this one set of work, this is a project and this is how it's going to go. And then there's another set of work. I'm going to turn that into a project and that's how this is going to go. Um, and it might feel like kind of complicated or like a lot of work but it's worth it and it'll settle down and you'll get into a better groove. Um, the other thing I like about doing this, doing it this way, especially for specific types of clients is that it forces both you and the client to like, to sit down together and look at an actual project and its scope and think through exactly what you're trying to accomplish together. So here, so going back to that client who was sort of loosey goosey there in the early stages of the business, you know, it can be really kind of chaotic. There's a lot going on. There's, you know, squirrel, like going after a different thing real quick. And if I were just in a retainer relationship with them, I would have had to be sort of riding the wave of that. And I didn't really want to be doing that. Like I wanted to get discrete, specific projects done for them. I didn't want to get sucked into the chaotic wave of their business at that time. It just, it was not the energy that I was in at that moment. And so this again, just helped me be like, okay, we have this project. You need to get your website up. So I'm going to project manage your website launch period. Like that's what I'm doing. I, and that allowed me to not get pulled into conversations about the business that I didn't need to be in. And then were not in my scope of work. It like, it like put these like protective barriers around my work with them. And it was really clear to them that that was like what I was trying to do. Like I used project-based pricing with them to create boundaries. So anyway, sorry, I feel like I've kind of gone off a, on a tangent there, but I hope that makes sense. So you need to choose, are you going to convert to a retainer with this client or do you want to put together a couple of project proposals um, to shift into? Then, you know, when you're, when you're doing this and you're pricing everything out, try not to increase the current pricing at this point in time, if possible. So, you know, you don't want to change the process. This is going to be a, a big shift. You don't want to change the process and say, and now this is like an increase in pricing too. Like do one thing at a time here. You can, like maybe it's a little bit more or something like here's going back to that client you know, they were paying me for a certain amount of hours every month and I switched us over to this project-based pricing and I made sure that, you know, the, the monthly price that they were generally paying me for these different projects, even though it wasn't paid monthly, it was paid, you know, based on projects, was still generally in the same, the same amount of money they were paying me for my hours, if that makes sense. So I didn't want to just like rip the rug out from under them. I tried to keep it all the same and I worked really hard to, to make sure that that was happening. So just one little tip there. Okay. So the final step here is the conversation. So this is when you're going to sit down with your client and talk to them about these changes. You're going to come up with a way to present this, which is something like, you know, in an effort to better serve you, my client and be more efficient with my time. I'm actually working on switching all my clients over to either retainer or project-based pricing, which you may not even reveal that yet or at all. Um, and I'm actually no longer going to be doing any hourly based tasks or contracts, you know, something simple, 
Keep it simple. Do not say too much. Do not explain yourself. Don't talk about it more than necessary. Don't talk about why hourly doesn't work or any of that stuff. Just say a sentence. This is what I'm doing. This is kind of why, again, with the advantage to the client, and then move on to how it's, what's going to happen, how it's going to work. This is business. Okay. Remember, this is business. You don't need to over explain yourself. Be confident in your choice, speak confidently, and don't be afraid. They're going to pick up on that confidence and they're going to understand like this isn't negotiable. This isn't um, anything bad. This is all good. And here's how it's going to go. And here's what we're going to do. And we're going to move on and keep working together. And it's not going to be a big deal. Okay. This is more an internal change for you and your life. And it shouldn't really affect them that much. So say your sentence or two and then move on and say, so here's, you know, I've been thinking through the work that we do together and here's how I'm thinking we can shift into this. You're going to present your proposal to them. Always present your proposal. Don't email it over. Walk through any changes that are going to happen from the way you've been working. So for example, it could be something like invoicing. Like typically I was invoicing you on the first of every month. Now I'm going to be in, you know, if it's project based, now I'm going to invoice you um, 50% of the project cost up front to get started. And then um, when we hit, you know, this date, oh, I'm going to invoice this much or, you know, however you want to structure this, just let them know of those changes so that they're not, you know, surprised by that later. And then you want to be prepared with, uh, with answers to the questions they might ask. And, you know, you can anticipate these from like a logical standpoint and you can anticipate them based on your client's personality and what you know about them. So they might ask stuff like, what if I need to add to the scope of work? Like their retainer client, what if I need to add to this scope? How are we going to handle that? We'll go back to what we talked about earlier. You know, if it's like, yeah, it's like a 15 minute, like one off task, not a big deal. I'll take care of it for you. No big deal. Or, you know, what if, uh, we have, how's the billing cycle going to change or whatever their questions might be, be prepared to answer them, have simple, straightforward answers. And remember, and this goes for this conversation and any other conversation that you're having with a potential client or a current client or anything else. If someone asks you a question, especially, 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 especially if it has to do with pricing or billing or something about your process, those are really important things. Um, and you don't know the answer in the moment, or you're not confident with the answer that came to mind right then. All you need to say is, you know, let me, I'm going to write that down. Let me think about that. And I'm going to get back to you with an answer. Okay. Get practice, like literally practice saying that. Stand in the mirror, have your uh, partner or your kid or something ask you and you say, you know, let me think about that and get back to you. Because I know for me, that's like a hard thing to say. <laughs> like I'm used to just like having an answer and saying a thing and giving them what they want. Right. And like I, I a lot of times have to hold myself back and be like, you know, let me think about that. And that gives me a moment to step back. And I didn't do that recently and just totally screwed myself over. I like gave out a number of what I thought something would probably cost before really taking the time to think about it and go through every detail and make sure. And once you throw a number out there, you kind of have to stick close to that number. Like it's going to suck if you have to go back and say, actually, it's like going to be 5,000, you know, more dollars or something. Um, you don't want to have to do that. That doesn't look good. It's not professional. It sucks for the client. Like it's just, you don't want to have that conversation. So if someone asks you a question about this and you're not comfortable, just say, yep, let me write that down. I'm going to think about it and I will get back to you. Okay. All right. That's it. 
you know, this, the thing is, is that this doesn't need to be a big deal. Remember, this is going to be a much bigger deal to you. You're going to be thinking about this and being excited, nervous, anxious, all those things. And for your client on the client side, it's really not going to be a big deal, especially if you do it right. And if you spin it in a way that's really going to benefit them in your working relationship together. So don't, don't overthink it. Don't be like all nervous about it. Your clients are not going to fire you because of this. And like I said, they probably really won't care that much, but it's going to make a huge difference for you in your business. So again, don't over explain, don't talk about all the benefits or why this doesn't work for you and your business. Keep it simple, have the conversation, present the plan moving forward. And one kind of last thing, if they, let's say you decide on your own, like, yeah, I think they'd be good as a retainer client. Let's say you present that and they're like, yeah, I don't really want to commit to paying X amount of dollars every month. I kind of liked what we were doing before. I don't know. They say something that's like kind of blows up your plan and what you were thinking. Be ready for that again. Like it's like one of those questions to be ready for. How are you going to respond if they say that's not going to work for me? Well, one way you could respond is just ask questions. Again, when a client comes to you and is like saying something doesn't work for them and is maybe trying to even solve the problem. What you can do is remind them like, Hey, um, before we get into problem solving mode here, let's talk a little bit more. Like, what about this isn't feeling right for you? Or, um, you know, what's, what do you think is not, what's not going to work about this? Or what are you feeling nervous about here? What do you think is going to, you know, bad is going to happen or whatever kind of questions, probe the questions, get those answers and dig into why they're feeling like whatever you're presenting isn't going to work. And Again, say, you know what, let me, let me think about what you said. Let me think about kind of these concerns that are coming up and let me come up with another plan that I can present to you. Something like that. Don't try and like, you don't want, here's what you don't want. You don't want this to turn into a negotiation with them on the fly. You don't want them to be like, yeah, but I was paying you this for that. And how, why is it so much? Or how could we cut off $200 or how much is this costing? You know, you don't want to sit there and let them pick apart your proposal and, and try and like be negotiating with them on the fly. Like that's, uh-uh, that's not going to work for you. And you don't need to be doing that. So ask questions, see what's maybe feeling uncomfortable for them. You might end up just having them be like, eh, you know what, actually this does, this is going to be fine. This is, let's try it out or something like that. Or you can say, you know, let me, let me take that feedback in. Let me think about it. And let's, let's talk again in a couple of days when I've had time to think about how we might be able to solve this problem. Something like that. Okay. All right. So. I hope that was helpful. If you have more questions, go to our Slack channel and ask me, and I'd be happy to help you through this. If you are interested in learning more about how I come up with my proposal costs, so how do I sit down and break out a project cost or a retainer cost, I go over that in depth in lesson three of our You Can Do This course. Um, I show you the formula I use, the very simple spreadsheet I use, I share my screen and walk you through exactly how I break down my pricing and come up with a final price for them. Each one of my projects is unique. I don't have like a package of services that I sell, just kind of the nature of the work I do. The course is $29, you guys. Um, but next year, 2022, we are planning to do a big revamp of it and the price and the value are going to go up. But if you buy now, you're going to get automatic access to all those upgrades. So if you're someone who's just getting started and you need to learn the eight key steps that you should take to launch your freelance business, and by the end of the course, you have an actual business plan we call your uh, playbook, go check it out. Link is here in the show notes, 29 bucks. And you can hop into our private, you can do this channel in Slack 
and get feedback on your playbook and chat with other people who are in the course or have taken the course and um, you know see how things have been going for them. So I hope this was helpful for you. Do not be afraid to go do this. It's important. Don't get stuck in hourly again and uh, hit me up if you have any questions. All right, have a good one. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Kenza Collective to stay in touch. And if you have a moment, please drop a review for this podcast so that we can reach more parents and help them create a life and a living that actually works for their families. Have a great day.